Hey, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And this is Talking Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversation. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion, but we've been lucky enough to write, produce, and hang out with so many incredible rising artists since we started our project. Whether it's at sessions or parties or over cups of coffee, we've talked with our creative friends about everything. Music, life, love, and all the subtle complexities that come with being in the middle of a journey. Talking Lion is about hitting record in these conversations and sharing them with you. There's no real structure, nothing really prepared, just friends talking about life and what it's been like and where it's going. We now have a Patreon for fans of our show to help keep this going. Subscribers will become a part of the show in various ways, from providing questions to our guests, to getting a shout out on the show, to actually being on the show to chat with us. We'll even send you a mug. So check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash talking lion. We recorded this episode with our longtime friend, Axel Mensor. We first met Axel years ago via Skype while we were still living in Boston. We immediately hit it off, reconnected when we moved to Los Angeles, and we've been friends ever since. Some context for this interview. We recorded this over FaceTime while in quarantine. Axel was recently a contestant on the NBC show Songland, and his episode with the artist Her just aired. He also just released a single called Cold Sweat. One of the kindest people we know and one of our first LA friends, Axel Mansour's incredible voice and introspective spirit has inspired us to think deeply about what it means to be an artist and what's truly important in life. So, without further ado, I'm Axel Mansour, and this is Talking Lion. Well, hello. Hey. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's good to, to finally have you on, Mr. Mansoor. It, honestly, it's uh, it's a real pleasure, man. I've, I've been wanting to do this for a while. Ever since I saw the artwork, I was like, I want to <laughs> see what my not face would look like. <laughs> well, you're in luck. Well, you're going to get, you're, you're going to have, uh, as, as of this moment, you are now uh, in the, the faceless art Hall of Fame, you know? Well, I, I'm, just, I'm happy to have you on here because, like, you were one of our first friends out here. Like, straight up, like, day two, I think, like, we were at a pool party with, like, uh, your old manager, Mike Doucet. And I just, like, <laughs> oh, like yeah. I think about you and, and Zeeland in the same sort of world. Or, like, you were the, the sort of first two, like, L.A. people who made us feel confident that, we would have friends when we moved out there. Like that, that you came to the right place. Yeah, that like th- there are good people and that, you know, worst case scenario, we'll have fun with great people, you know, like, yeah. and then best case scenario, we all come up and have, you know, make millions of dollars. I feel and- like it was after our our first FaceTime call that I, I made yeah. the, uh, the banner on my Facebook page. It, it's we're essentially just writing songs and gathering drinking buddies. And I feel like it was because <laughs> of that conversation. I'm just like, yeah, like. You know, like, regardless of collaboration, like, that guy just seems like the kind of guy you want to have a beer with. (laughs) And beers we've had. That's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. And, you know, I mean, and I I would love to have a beer with you, but I honestly am a little worried that I'm getting, like, a bit of gluten intolerance. And I don't know if that's just, like, as, like, a side effect of being in L.A. for too long that you just start (laughs) to become intolerant of normal people things. I think that happens. <laughs> I mean, I, I started getting stomach problems early last year, you know? Oh, man. H- have you tried Prilosec? <laughs> I, this is, like, not going to be about music at all. But <laughs> no, li- listen, the podcast is better when it's not, so go off, man. No, I, I, right. I'm having a probiotic. I'm having ultimate flora. <laughs> ultimate flora? There's over 30 billion. Uh, <laughs> we are not sponsored by probiotics. But <laughs> it's real, man. Dude, having stomach problems is brutal. I've, I, I've had like chronic stomach issues. And, and honestly, a lot of it has been tied to 
just like not eating right. You know, you can't have everything. No one's perfect. Yeah, you can't. You can't have <laughs> a, anything. But you've. Uh, this is this is a big week for you. You were on a on a little TV show. I was on on the little TV show that could. Um, <laughs> for those who have no idea who I am and no idea what I'm referencing, I'm talking about a uh, Songland uh, season two on NBC. I don't know. It's it's been pretty crazy, man. Like. It's been like two months or maybe longer. I mean, we started in February. That's when we started filming. And the filming was only like, it was like 14 days about. And then like between then and now, you know, there's just been this waiting period. And so to have this really intense, like incredible filming experience, and then like two or three months of basically that almost not existing, and then for it to suddenly come back into existence <laughs> and like in its biggest way ever is a total trip because- even for me, like I remember after we did filming, right, like like within like two days, I was like, "Did that even happen?" <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you probably had to hide things too, you know, just like well, yeah, exactly. It's like you can, you can, you, you basically can't acknowledge that it happened outside of the little bubble that it was filmed in. So, like, I was able to talk to like the other contestants and and like the other people on the other episode that we actually filmed. Uh, t- there were two episodes filming at the same time, so it was my episode with her. And uh, the other episode, um, her the artist, Mar- yeah, her, yeah, her the artist, yeah. That 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 joke is going to be made a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it, it was just so wild because like really it was like the only people that you could talk to about it were those people. It was a very small selection of people, and it felt like this big secret that I was sitting on for a long time. So it feels good to like actually be able to talk about it openly. What um, what made you decide to do the show? You know, it's really funny. I was so against applying. I was, Brian, Brian is my manager. Shout by out the Brian. Way. <laughs> Brian fucking Mooney. <laughs> you can swear on this show, right? Of course. Yeah. This is not an FCC regulated program. <laughs> um, so, so Brian is uh, my manager and uh, he literally had to like sit me down. He had to come over to my house and sit me down and make me do the application <laughs> because I was so against doing it. And I was just like, I don't write pop songs. Like, I don't like, they're not going to want anything that I have. Like, so A, I was already being like, I, I was, I was excluding myself by being like, oh, I like, I don't deserve to be, you know, I'm not good enough to be in that company or whatever. But then more than that, I was like, I just don't want to do the work. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to like, I don't want to go through the effort of doing the whole application just to be rejected. And Brian was like, just do it. Classic like, artist, you know, non-starter just, mentality. <laughs> yeah, totally. And Brian was like, just do it, man. What's funny is when, when the sort of lineup for last year came out, we were realizing how many of our friends wound up being, I mean, there was Casey Cook and Jack Newsom, Caitlin Tarver, Nicole, like there was just, there were so many like, like awesome LA friends about that in my like heart, it added a level of credibility to the show. Cause you know, like we have right. friends who've done right. the voice or American right. Idol and stuff like that. We've had them on the podcast, but there is something about like a show about songwriters that I was like, this could either really alienate actual songwriters or resonate with actual songwriters. You know, I still see Sam DeRose's yeah. video like being circulated around, you know, which is super cool. Nice. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'll say this, like, in terms of, like, it being a show that is really for and about songwriters, 
and I promise I'm not being paid to say this. <laughs> we, uh, we, we aren't either. This is, this is just, uh, <laughs> um, we're being honest with our reviews, you know? Yes, totally. This, I, honestly, if I, if I, I don't give a lot of like five star reviews, but if I had to give a five star review, it would go to, to Songland. It is like, it's frustrating to be like, wow, as, as songwriters and as musicians, the status quo is for us to basically expect to get fucked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's really unfortunate. And I think what Songland does so well, and, and I say this because I think people, there's a lot of talk, right? There's a lot of talk in, in industry, but especially in the music industry, people will say a lot of things, not just music, but entertainment industry. So what I really believe is like, you put your money where your mouth is, right? Yeah. And Songland really like positions itself as this show that's about songwriters. And like, it's, it, they call themselves like a, a love letter to songwriters. And I think that they really actually deliver on that in a really special way because the contract is so, so fair. Like, it is so reasonable. Like, if they wanted to, they could take advantage of all of the people on Songland in, in a multitude of ways, but they don't. Like, and people have signed away much more for much less. Um, I mean, that's really re refreshing to hear. Um, I, I'll be honest, like full transparency, I, I haven't watched the show. I, obviously, like last year when our friends were on, we saw like I, clips when they were on and and followed and listened to the songs when they came out and everything. But I haven't seen your episode either. Um, Dude, full transparency, I didn't watch any of season one either. I like I I even by the time I had found out that I was gonna film. I was still like, oh, I should probably watch an episode just to <laughs> see how this show works. Like, we, we go back, we do a quarantine listening party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I actually did like an audition for like a couple years ago. And I actually got to the point where they offered me a contract and I went over it with a lawyer and I like understood what they wanted. And I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> this is way too much. Like they, they want to own me basically. It is a very raw deal for people who who sign up for it. You know, without talking about that contract specifically, people should recognize the impacts and implications of non-compete clauses and about, you know, what it means to actually sign your rights away, what work for hire is, what, you know, yeah. what you can get yeah. from a sync license and what it means to have, you know, a major network being able to use your intellectual property for free on their right, you know. And and how much they you know, how much control they have over your future, right? Like, again, like there, there, there are a lot of different aspects to it, but to, to get back to Songland and, and why I, I really respect them is, you know, th that understanding of like what, how reality TV has tended to treat the people that go on it, it they tend to treat them as resources, right? Instead of as people. And so for me, that made me really not interested in doing reality TV. That made me be like, I don't want to be just like, I don't want to just be currency, like human currency. Like, I, I only want to put myself in a position where I feel like I'm going to be respected. And Songland really does that. Well, um, what's so nice about that too, though, is that like, if Songland's pushing for that and also empowering songwriters to expect that, then songwriters then get can better then, participants. Yeah, yes. well, yes, 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 but also songwriters can then... Uh, and and artists and everybody then can look at other shows that are offering comparatively worse deals and say, well, this is what Songland is doing. Like, why can't we get that from you? And then we, there's totally. more of us. There will always be more of us than them. We can we can negotiate. There are ways where like 
when we all come together and recognize what's been unfair in certain industries, we can actually stop it and, and negotiate better. We can unionize. <laughs> how did how did things go with with her? Oh man, uh, she's a real deal, man. You know, I'm kind of a skeptic in a lot of ways, and especially as it comes to bigger and bigger opportunities, like I tend to get more and more skeptical and. When I found out I was going to be on Songland and I was going to do the filming and they hadn't revealed who our artists were yet, like they called us into this, you know, place in, a, in, in the hotel and, you know, they let us know who our artists were going to be. And as they were telling the different people who their artists were, I was like, oh, that's cool. But like, I also have no idea who that person is. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I was kind of worried that I was going to get somebody who I was like, wow, I've, I've never even heard of this person, but like, whatever, like, it's still an amazing opportunity. And then when they like were like, the following people will be, you know, your artist is going to be her. And then they called my name. I was just like, holy shit. Like, I was, I felt so lucky because I was like, she's so relevant. She's so incredible. She she got nominated for 10 Grammys in two years. And she's 22. Yeah. Like, shit. aside from the critical acclaim, which is like insane, she's also just like a real artist. Like, she's an actual, like, you know... I'll say this, I wasn't super familiar with her stuff. I had like been on like her top five on Spotify before, but like I hadn't really spent time with her catalog. And so when I found out she was my artist, I like went to really like spend some time with it. And the more I dug in, the more I found that like, here's this like, you know, multiple Grammy nominated artist who's like making like dope, real, emotional, complex music. Like that's just, and I was like, damn, that is so refreshing not that she's making complex music, but that she's obviously making the music that she wants to yeah. make. Yeah. Like, she's not making music that's just like, you know, fucking cookie cutter kind of stuff. And she could if she wanted to. She could take the easy way out and just like do whatever people wanted her to do and still probably be incredibly successful. But like, she has a real vision and she like actually makes music. And well, I think I like really like like recognized how insane her talent was watching her perform at the, at the Grammys. Yeah, dude, she's insane. Like she it was shreds crazy. like Prince. Like yeah, she she just like she can play everything. Her voice is nuts. The songs are so so cool. Yeah, that's um, the thing. She like she's she's the real deal, man. Like. That was like both really exciting, and it also made me like twice as nervous because I was like, yeah. I was like, oh my god, like this is somebody who, whose opinion I actually like kind of care about. Um, I, I know you haven't had a chance to watch the episode yet, but when you do, uh, or if you get a chance to watch it, just like the, it's a win. We like you. the The feedback that she gave me was just so overwhelmingly positive that it was just like whoa <laughs> like i it was hard to process like and i'm you know they cut things out and stuff but like and maybe that you know they edit things to make me look like as smart as possible <laughs> but like but i i remember she was like saying things to me and it was like passing through me like i like i couldn't even like process it <laughs> um because like i don't know just like having someone of her, of her ability and like her artistry look at me and be like, I see you and I recognize you as an artist. Like, and I, and like, and what you have, like she was just saying things like, you know, like I, I believe in you basically. And I was just like, whoa, that is, that's a trip. Well, my my message, Um, my message to her is join the club. You know, (laughs) you're late to the Axelman store train. (laughs) 
but it was it was just it was just wild, you know. Um, and honestly, I'm I'm so glad that there were cameras to record it because like <laughs> I don't have a good memory of what happened. You just had an out of body like, experience. Just no, it, it really you know it, it was just like I couldn't process it on time, and I. And I even like made a note to myself, like before I went on stage, I was like, savor this moment, like, you know, like really be present, really, you know, do it. And I feel like I was able to do it for the performance, but I didn't plan to do it like for the <laughs> feedback part. <laughs> and so like, I was just like, it was like, I really did feel like my body was just kind of like, like I was saying things and reacting, but I wasn't fully there because <laughs> it was like. It was, yeah, I get it, it was, it felt just kind of like floating and like a dream. So, you know, that, that was really incredible. And, you know, even though I didn't win the episode, like it did not feel like a loss at all, you know, and they kept saying this through, through, throughout the show, which was just like, you know, there are no losers here. Like everyone who's here, like you guys are going to have, like, this is the start of, of something really amazing for all of you. And they kept saying that, and I was like, okay, they're just trying to hype us up. Like, they're just trying to, like, you know, that, that it's just, like, that feel-good talk. So if you that, had fun, again, you won. Being a cynic. And I have to say that, like, I really I really felt it that way. And, I, and that was the other thing is, like, from a songwriter perspective, like, being surrounded by songwriters who, like, when I heard their stuff, I was like, whoa, I actually really, really like this. Like, this is really dope. <laughs> and I, it was just like, wow, I feel like I'm in company that I'm actually proud to be in, you know, I don't feel like, oh yeah, you know, the other writers were kind of whatever, but like, at least I got my shot. Like, it really feels like, holy shit, like I'm in the company of some truly incredible individuals. Um, but that, that lifts you up too, you know, it's like you have a seat at the totally. table. Like, it's like, you know, I know we, we've talked before about sort of how we view ourselves and how, you know, sometimes we try to compare, sometimes we have trouble kind of like staying in that mindset. But I think that there are these little moments of, I, I've always felt kind of validated by the people who are around me where it's like, oh, these people are making some incredible music and they think I'm making mu good music. That must mean we're all in a good yeah, place. Yeah, we're here together. Yeah, yeah. we're all, it, it's it's a unit. And and just, I, I want to clear this up just quickly because I didn't get to, I didn't get to finish this thought. But like, even though, I think all of the songs were amazing. I think that Raquel's song was the obvious choice. Hmm. And I, and like if her song hadn't won, I would be like, I don't understand. <laughs> like I would have been happy. If I had been chosen, I would have been happy, but I would still have been like, that doesn't make any sense. Like it should have been her song. Pull a Kanye, be like, like I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> but Raquel had the best song <laughs> of all time. <laughs> And so that's the thing is like, it really didn't, I was honestly so happy for her because it felt like, okay, like it is about the song. Like it's not just talk. And that's the thing is like, that's why my experience on Songland was just, I went into it being like, I don't trust reality TV. I think reality TV is kind of bullshit. I think it takes advantage of people. And it's, you know, it's a lot of show. It's a lot of talk. They, they sell you your dream. And then like you get there to find out that it's actually not at all what you thought it was going to be. Like, that's a story that's been told about reality TV. Hollywood, on, baby. You know, yeah, it's, it's the Hollywood story. It's like, that's a very common story, right? And so that was the ex expectations that I went in with. And I was honestly blown away. Like, the way that they treated us was just so real. And like, there was no bullshit. Everyone who worked on the show was so happy to be there. Just the general energy from like the participants to the producers to the directors, to like just the crew helping around. Like everyone was just stoked. They, they just wanted to be there. 
And it was such a positive, like supportive environment that, yeah, like it really made me believe that I feel like if Songland continues to play their cards right in terms of like really respecting the people that make the show, which includes like all the people in terms of the filming aspect, but also the, the songwriters, if it, if it really continues along this path, I see it as being this really building a community, like a community of, of, of songwriters. Well, I saw that last year. I mean, all the, all the people who were on the show wound up writing together and doing sessions together and being friends. And it was interesting because, you know, like we, we knew people from different places in our LA and Berkeley life who I don't think I could have drawn a clear line between the two, but all of a sudden now here they are together. Now they're on this show. And it was cool to just totally. sort of see this community form around the people that were on this on this season. So uh, I want to go back in time. Uh, I want to go back before Songland, before before uh, <laughs> before everything. Um, I want to go back to young young Axel. I want to know. Uh, I want to know why you got into this music thing because. You know, I've actually one of the things that I, I think I've always been not just like impressed about with you, but also just like you know the, the little pangs of jealousy that come is that you have one of the most incredible like pure male voices I've ever heard. Like you sing <laughs> you. things just so nicely. I remember, and, and we'll get to this too, but I remember the, the first time we hung out, you sang a Jack Johnson song. And I like melted. Like I was, I was like, "What the fuck? This guy sings so well." Um, so did you? Did you always know you were incredible at singing, or did you? Uh... <laughs> no, no, I, I, I didn't. I mean, I sort of a big piece of my story, which has also been a big chip on my shoulder for a long time, has just been me like consistently undervaluing myself. And I think that definitely is rooted in my past. So growing up, like, I, I, I knew that I liked singing because I would sing along and harmonize to songs, you know, while I was playing like Quake 3, <laughs> like, you know, as like an eight-year-old, like listening to Winamp, you know, like Offspring on the Winamp. Um, and uh, I would harmonize with the songs, but like I never, no one in my family was ever like, hey, you got like a thing and, you know, you should, you, sh you know, you should sing more. The only sort of real musical reinforcement that came was actually through my older brother, Misha. And he got me into guitar, but he was into really like a, like harder, heavier styles of music. And I think he just like didn't, think I had a good voice because it didn't sound like that style. And to me, his, you know, he was eight years older than me. So like his opinion was not, it was not an opinion. It was fact. <laughs> and so because he didn't think I had a great voice, like I was just like, I don't have a good voice. And it was really only maybe around like 16. I, I joined choir at the behest of my sister and she was like, yeah, you should try joining high school choir. And I think my sister maybe was like trying to be supportive, but I didn't realize it. And she was <laughs> like, you know, like join, join choir because I did choir and I, I think you'll really enjoy it. And, you know, by that time, I'd already been playing guitar for like three, four years. So it was clear that I liked music. And it was in choir that I started to have a sense of the fact that like, I was probably a better singer than most of the other people around me. I wasn't the best by a long shot. <laughs> like there was like, there were some people in that choir that could sing. <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, but it was like, I could hold my own. Like I, like I, I was like pretty quick to, to like get a melody and like, I had a good memory for melody and some people would even be like, oh, you have a kind of a nice voice, but it wasn't, I wasn't like one of those kids that, you know, your parents taking videos of you singing when you're like eight and like, you're going to be a star someday. I've always been kind of jealous of those kids. Like my, my dad kind of point blank and my friends pretty point blank. When I first started singing, we're like, don't do that. Don't do that. Like you're you're better at the piano. (laughs) Yes. Like your voice sounds nasally. You can't hold a pitch. Like you're not good at this and you want to do this. Uh, but the piano's good and your songs are good. Like, stick with that stuff. And I'm like, but I want to sing the songs. Sing. Right. One time my mom said I sounded like a dying cat. My dad said I sound like a dying cat. <laughs> it's, a, it's the classic go-to. Our, our, parents, our parents were, were ruthless, you know? Jokes on them. Now we have, we sound the same, but we have processing. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, like, I and, and you know, I honestly want to say, like, good for both of you that you kept on singing because I think that's such a huge part of, finding and this can not pun intended like finding your voice as an artist yeah is like is what are you gonna do even if nobody else likes it like i think i think at a certain point it like hit me that nobody's gonna be able to sing some of these songs with like the emotion that i bring to it because these songs that come from a real place and it kind of just hit that like sure fine if that means that it's going to be a worse quote-unquote worse version in the song i'd rather a real real version of the song with with maybe a lower quality voice than somebody else trying to echoing my words. Obviously now as a songwriter I have a different philosophy, but I'm <laughs> I'm happy with how it initially, you know, sparked kind of that that thing. But I think what's kind of always, what's interesting is that cuz throughout like our friendship, we've had conversations about confidence, about self-worth and stuff like that. And, you know, you've, you've brought up, you brought up your, your brother before, but what's funny is that like, I didn't know who Misha was and I didn't mm-hmm. know Periphery, like I didn't know the band at all. Right. I just knew you. And then when we, we had a very limited number of like guitar friends at Berkeley. <laughs> like, you know, you know the type I'm yeah, talking yeah. about, like there are guitar players, yeah, yeah, yeah. we have plenty of those, but like there are guitar, guitar players. players. <laughs> Um, and when we started doing stuff with you, they recognized the last name and they're like, oh dude, like, I'm like, no, I don't, I think it's just a coincidence. Then I like hit you up and you're like, no, 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 that's my, that's my brother. I'm like, oh, different music. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to just Super confess. Different. I was like a huge periphery fan. There was like a, a so solid, was I, man. A solid, yeah. a solid period back when, back in my like metal phase when that, when the whole sort of wave of gent started that I was like super into that band. Oh man, me too. I mean, I, I was the, I was the first periphery yeah. fan. Did you know? Did you know? Yeah, I, did. Okay. I, I totally Cause did. I did not, I didn't know, I didn't know shit. We knew, uh, publicist and a writer oh, yeah. named Ruth. Shout out Ruth. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, massive shout out to Ruth. Yeah. Ruth uh, in legend. like the 2015 to 2017 space. She's still crushing it, but in that space. Yeah, I know, but that was like, man, Ruth was killing it. And she was everywhere. Yeah. She, she, she was, was everywhere. East Coast, West Coast, she was on it. She was finding bands all over the place, bands in colleges, bands in whatever. Like yeah, no, she, she, she yeah. was just, she had her finger on the pulse. I, you know, she like, really did. Like, yeah, there was just so much that she like had a hand in, and so much of what I knew about like LA artists came from what she would talk about and post about. But she was friends with with your manager at the time, uh, Mike Ducey, and yeah. Mike was looking for people 
to get like notes on your first ever single Waste of My Love. So I remember Ruth sending it to me. <laughs> I was like in my mom's apartment in New York. I like gave some notes on the song, but was just like absolutely blown away. I think my like major note that never saw the light of day was that the intro was really long, but I was, I think I was ahead of my time. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was trying to be all like experimental and cinematic. I was like, I want it to feel like you're leaving the fight, you know, like. <laughs> Listen, I, I love, I love it. You know, now I crave long intros. You know? I feel like you know, we're coming back around to it. You now. know, you never know what you got till it's gone. Um, right, right. But, but that's, the that's the thing. swings. I was so floored by that song as was everybody who heard it when it came out that I got like Mike's number from Ruth and was like, hey, I don't know what your plans are, but if you are going to have remixers on this, we're <laughs> doing it. Like I please, he's like, I don't know yet. Like we're still figuring out. I'm like, Mike, I know we've just met, but please, this, his voice is amazing. The song is amazing. Let us remix it. You know, I have to say, honestly, that, like, I still love that remix. I still think that, I, I still think that the Sleeping Lion remix is so good and, to me, is criminally underplayed. I, I agree. I think, I think there's some crazy shit going on in that song. There's some crazy shit going on in that song. The production is fire. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's the thing. Here, the, Noah did that remix. Like the the I would say ninety percent of it happened in like a binge. Oh and, yeah. And I was in Philly at the time, so I like usually when we do remixes, what we like we break the song in the beginning. We figure out like what like what makes sense for it. Noah does a pass. We come in. We do notes. But this was like oh yeah, that was just like pure manic, like a fever like, dream. Spent, like feet, yeah, like like. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, wait, what is this sitting on my computer? So, and I was I was in Philly with my best friends and we were all plastered. And my friends saw like me go into the corner to listen to the to what Noah sent me. And he's like, no, 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 no like play on the speaker. So I played it and everybody lost their shit. Like it was just one of those. Dude, it's so good. Like it's still, honestly, like it surprises me how good it is. And then it makes me be like, Oh yeah, just because something is good doesn't mean it'll get a lot of plays. That's very true. It's a, it's a hard lesson to learn, but it's very true. It upsets me because I'm like, it deserves, it deserves more attention than it got. Well, again, credit where it's due. You know, Dulce's remix, I think, as a remix, made more sense. Like that was still around the time yeah, I'm, when I'm like, terrible at doing remixes that make sense. Like remixes that function. <laughs> like remixes are supposed to be like, let's take this song and make it a little dancier. Like I'm just like, what if it was a crazy jazz apocalypse? Well, m most most re <laughs> most remixers, like like capital R remixers, like have experience with pop remixing, which is you know you take this song. You throw the four on the floor. You you bump up the tempo a little bit. You make throw it, a little vocal. You throw a little vocal chop in there. You make it dancier. Yeah. yeah, make a dancier thing. Our remix language and like education came from listening. It's like a to, reinterpretation because we we learned from listening to Lido. Yeah, and Lido didn't do pop remixes. He would just fucking flip the song. He would write his own verses. He would throw some weird fucking shit in there. Like he would do really cool remixes that I think resonated with people who liked these songs but wanted a little bit more complexity and a little bit more like 
strangeness. Yeah, it was a real musicality. Well, it, it was also one of those things that the production on the original was just so like like Waste of My Love is just such a sick record. And it's like one of those Thanks, things man. that when I heard it, it was like, oh, that's like the kind of music that I kind of want to be making. So when I had to like remix it, I'm like, oh, I have to go in a completely different direction because my instincts will probably just take me into a, a universe that sounds just like the original. But I find that instinct to like take it in a different direction. Very like I admire that a lot. I mean, or at least like I like I would do the same thing. I would want to hear. Th- and, and to be honest, like that's why when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing because it was that it wasn't just like a song that I had already spent way too fucking long <laughs> with, like, and just like slightly different, you know, but like, but easier to dance to. It was like a real reinterpretation. And that why for me, I remember getting the file and like listening to it being like, holy shit. Like, what? <laughs> this is wild. Like, I'm so into this. Well, um, all this to say is that like when we first like Skype with you and I remember stream the song right now. <laughs> hey, everybody stream the, uh, the Sleeping Lion remix, remix, you know. Uh, Throwback <laughs> to 20, 2017. Uh, yeah. Throwback. Well, the, the thing, the, like all, all of this to say that like when we first Skype with you, like that was a big night for us. I mean, you know, like Noah, Noah made that, that Twitter banner about you know, drinking buddies, but I think also just we we really were in awe of this rising sort of down tempo, vibey, songwritery pop music that was coming out. Because keep in mind, right. like around 2016, uh, you know, 2015, 2016, that sort of Billie Eilish wave wasn't necessarily happening yet, and so it was yeah. a lot of like you and Opia and RKCB. There there were people who were making this really cool music that we had sort of stumbled into, and so. For all the all the sort of talks of confidence and like where we sit, like know that when we first met you, we were like nervous. Like we were genuinely like <laughs> kind of floored by what you were doing, you know, with with your with your stuff. Oh, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. Well, we were, I, uh, we're we were grateful for the the chance to participate. I think also one of my like fondest memories with you was like just the first day we met in New York, like in person. That was awesome. That was so fun. Yeah, we were, we were having beers. You, you were wearing your jacket, the iconic, the iconic Axeman Sora jacket. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, you don't know this yet because you haven't watched the episode, but I got to wear the jacket on TV. Oh, oh shit. shit! That's awesome. I love yep. that. And and that the crazy part about that is we had to choose like five different looks. And so there was a chance that it was not going to be chosen as, because you you do five looks with wardrobe and then they choose two of them. And so basically it had a, it had a one in five chance of being, or I guess a two in five chance of being <laughs> chosen. Um, and I don't know, it felt very poetic that like not only did it end up being chosen, but it, I, it ended up being for the final performance. I love that. So yeah. it's like I had to earn my way to perform with the jacket on. So now everyone else is going to know about the jacket. Well, keep in mind, too, the first time anybody like, quote unquote, saw you, including us, it was the cover art for Wasted My Love, which was a drawing somewhat similar right. to uh, the Talking Lion stuff. Now that I think about it, <laughs> you without a face silhouette, yeah, yeah silhouette. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. you without a face, just wearing wearing this multicolored, you know, Back Joseph Technicolor dream coat, yeah. you know, jacket. <laughs> um, so seeing seeing you in New York with the jacket was cool. But I just remember like singing songs, you know, like you played Jack Jack Johnson that night and just jamming out and like having a really fun time. I just remember those little moments of, because uh, there were these series of little moments where we realized, okay, this is going to be okay. We're going to move and it's going to be okay. And like New York, hanging with you for the first time was definitely one of those. Yeah, man. I, I, 
It's so funny. I, I don't revisit these memories a lot. I don't know why I tend to be more, if anything, I tend to be future leaning, but I try to like hang out in the present, but going back to those, you know, those memories is, is actually really nice. I'm a big time traveler, yeah. man. That's like my, like my, yeah. my, my biggest source of just like comfort is just going back and being like, oh, some really nice things happened in this life, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. man. I want to make you time travel again though. Cause I want to know, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to sort of like buzz through a series of songs of yours. And I just want to know little tidbits, anecdotes about what inspired the songs and maybe like a memory around the song. So starting with Wasted My Love, like what inspired that? Like, what do you remember about creating that song? Oh man. So funnily enough, that song was like Frankensteined together over like a period of probably two or three years. I remember two sort of distinct moments um, and here's actually something that that people do not know, but uh, shout out to my boy. I, I, you know, I cleared this with him before the song came out and everything. And like, I asked him if he wanted to be credited. He said no. But actually, the the lyrics in the hook of "Wasted My Love" are are adapted from a piece of poetry that a friend gave me. Oh wow! Um, his name is Vance Lovett, and uh, he was a buddy I was at, with at USC. We were in the same acapella group. And he was like, you know, I have these like lyrics and stuff, but I, I'm never going to do anything with them. So like, you know, if you want, like, I'll just send you a bunch of random stuff and you can just kind of look through it and see if anything inspires you. And so I was just looking through it and I, and I found this one, I found this line. It was like, so pick up your things. I'll give you one more thing to think about. So pick up your things. I'll give you one more thing to think about. Leave me empty with those wide open and I don't know how you wasted my love. Wasted my love. You wasted my love. And I was just like, that's a really cool, and like, there was so much else in the song that like I didn't use, but there was something about that line that I was just like, wow, it's really powerful. It's got, it's got that driving rhythm. Yeah, as, it's a very rhythmic like, sentence. Like I, I can imagine just seeing it on the page and like. Well, I'm like, I'm hearing it in the song yeah. too. It's just, it's already there, you know? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is when I, when I, so funnily enough, when I, I, I wish I could find this old voice memo, but I remember just like strumming some chords and finding the rhythm. Cause it was actually like written in a way where it wasn't all strung together like that. Mm. And it was actually like this very segmented, separate sort of thing where like a, some sort of like quick, fast rhythm was not the way that I would have read it. And it happened because I was just strumming these chords and I kind of just started singing like that rhythm, you know, but like, I remember making a voice memo of it and being like, ah, that kind of sucks. <laughs> and like, like being like, just, just like totally denouncing it and being like, eh, it's kind of a bad idea, I, 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 whatever. And I remember recording it and just putting it away and being like, eh, I'm not going to do anything with that. And then one other time I was jamming with a friend and I was just like, and that came back to me and I just started saying it and he was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's this thing that I started writing, but I never finished because I don't know. I just didn't think it was any good. And he was like, that's really cool. <laughs> and I was like, really? Like I had, like, like when I heard it and I, and I remember writing the, the rhythm, I was just like, it seems so basic. I was just like, <laughs> it's so boring. What am I going to do with that? And then the second thing that happened was I was in the middle of like band rehearsal uh, when I like, I had this project called AMJ and it was like, cause it was Axel Miller, Justin, it was like a three piece. Uh. It was the three of us. We were taking a break in the middle of rehearsal. So they like went to go get some burritos and I was just by myself and I was kind of high. And I just started like 
just making up a riff like and it was just kind of groovy and funky and i was like oh this is kind of sick like there's these weird chords and i was like i don't know what's going on and then i had this moment of synergy hmm. <laughs> where i like placed the the lyrics of waste of my love over that riff and i was just like holy <laughs> there it is it's just like <gasps> like I like I made a thing. Um, I think every songwriter listening has had that moment oh, yeah. where like their song <laughs> has kind of like cannibalized in that way, where it's like you totally. can't give up this thing that you've like held on to for a while, but they never had a home, and then all of a sudden yeah. it's the it's yeah. the missing piece of the other thing that you're working on. It's and just, those it's, those are the moments. Those are so, so exciting when those happen, you know, because um, it really feels like magic. It feels like an accident that you got to witness, that you got to be a part of, but like you didn't. I didn't manifest that on my own, you know. Like I happened to be in the right time at the right place, <laughs> um, and uh, th- like that. I mean that. Yeah, sorry. That was quite a. That was no, quite a trip. I, I don't think I've actually spoken about that in terms of waste of my love, like. That's why, that's, that's, why, that's why that's what I was going to tone it down and be like, that's what we're here for. But yeah, that's why I was fucking rake it in. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Podcast. We make it. Yeah. No, it's no, great. It's not. It's great. I love it. And a great question. Great question. No, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, for, for those listening, we don't make any money from the podcast. So please, <laughs> please donate to our please Patreon. Donate to our Patreon. Dude, go to the Patreon. Live now. <laughs> I said um, I even I even told I, I I told this to Nate. Um, I was like, because once you brought in the community funding angle, I was like, yo, that's like something that I would donate to, and I'm very heavily considering donating. Again, I think it's a way to put your money where your mouth is. Like, and and that I support. By and large, we want to have Talking Lion be about the community, and right. having that like having the ability to sponsor events or like fund projects or and just be a, just a support to the people who have been so supportive to us. A lot of that comes because, you know, when we came out here, there was community. And I think we just want to be a positive force in that. And I'm I'm coming around to saying yeah. that that was inspired by by you and, and the people we, <laughs> we met around you. So, you know, that's, uh, that's just how it's going to go down. Just coming from somebody, you know, I moved around. I've moved seven times growing up around the world and like finding community and staying in a community has actually been something that's been very hard for me, both consciously and, and unconsciously. Um, and I think that, you know, to, to anybody who's a songwriter or can, you know, either you're in LA or maybe you're considering moving to LA, I will say that I think the number one thing is finding a community of people that care about you and you care about. And if you want to talk about like, how do you find success? I would go so far as to say right now that like success doesn't matter if you have a community because it'll flip the way you think about success. Like success will not be about the things that you have achieved, but rather what you have been able to share with your community. Well, I've always said the tide rises every ship. And if you think it's a zero sum game, you're not adding enough. Like I'm a big believer And like, there is just so much that we can do for each other that will ultimately benefit the entirety of the space that you exist in. Totally. We get to just grow together and rise together because we're making these webs. We're making this, these like pieces of connection that I just, that feels really special to me. It is. It is, man. But now I want you to talk to me about talk. 
to me. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> How's that for a segue? Um, what do you what what do you want to know? What do you want to what like I just I love that song. Just anything I, you want me to rant about it? Just rant about it. <laughs> I, you you know, like that song has hit me in like eight different ways. The music video involves like this long distance relationship, friendship, but also kind of this this relationship in that space. And I think that resonated when I was doing like the, the long distance stuff. So that song recently has right. like hit me in a in a really personal way. But how did this song come to be? And then then tell me about the Snapchat <laughs> video, this famous Snapchat video you made for uh yeah for talk to me. Um, yeah, just a quick note about that. It's funny actually. Brian today was like, we should re-release the talk to me video, but like only the indoor scenes for coronavirus. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Um, and I was like, that's kind of brilliant, actually. <laughs> or, or what if you do a um, sequel for whatever like your next sequel, song is? Right? I mean, th- that's an idea for sure. I, I'm always kind of like remiss to do sequels just because I feel like very often they're just n- not as good as the original. Empire Strikes Back. Um, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Got him. Empire Strikes Back. That's true. Um, <laughs> I can't think of any other examples, but Empire Strikes Back. Got him. <laughs> um, Transformers 2. <laughs> Clearly the better one. <laughs> so talk to me, man. You know, there's there's so much to say about that song. I wrote that song initially with Paul. Paul and I wrote it in a session. You know, we just started writing something. And uh, it became very apparent to me, like pretty quick into the session that like it had this sort of like sensual kind of vibe to it. And I wanted to really explore that side of myself as an artist because it's it's something that previously I had really shied away from. And I think as an artist in general, like finding finding a way for me to to, to bring like s- sensuality and sexuality that isn't like cute, but is actually kind of visceral is something that I, 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 I've been really intrigued with because um, it's a part of myself I haven't really explored that much. And that song was kind of the beginning of that. It was the first song where I was like, I want to like, I want, I want to feel sexy writing this song, and I want to make anybody who listens to the song kind of feel sexy too. That is why it became such a song about like, you know, the whole thing. Like, talk to me is like, it's both this thing about like, it's this double entendre, obviously, where it's, it's like, I want you to talk to me, like I want to be close to you, I want to hear what you have to say, but it's also like, I want, I want to like be physical. Like, I want to be physically close to you. Come talk to me. Well, there's this earnestness to the song. It's like, especially like as your voice climbs on like, on the actual like hook line, there's something about about it that you get that feeling of of somebody who is just who wants to say so much and wants to make a move and wants to sort of put themselves out there, but but hasn't yet. You know, yeah, you, it's it's a song. It's a song about desire. You yeah, know? Um, you feel it, and though it's like earnest. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it was very real for me um, when I was writing it, and that song ended up inspiring this like really. I still feel so good about that music video. I love it. I think it. it's probably the only music video that I've ever done where I was just like, "This is this is a this is a cool idea that I don't think I've seen somebody else do," and I that's something that I've always kind of tried to strive for, 
whenever I do something sort of like a creative project, like I always want to, f- I, I find a lot of like excitement from like pushing boundaries and like trying new things and like experiment, like finding ways to do experimental things, but that the public could appreciate and, and, and writing that line. The video is just this like, I mean, it was, it, it was a concept video. It was just like, what if we made a video that was like, a story told entirely through Snapchats, and like was that Mike? At, was that Mike somewhat influenced because he worked there, or was it like? I think like the the original idea actually came between me and Zach Bell. Oh, cool! Um, Shout out and Zach then, Bell. And it wasn't originally Snapchats; it was just over FaceTime. Like we were like, "What if you told an entire story through?" Oh no! You actually, I remember. I remember the moment of Genesis. Actually, <laughs> we had been talking about making a video for Talk to Me. And I remember getting a Snapchat from a buddy of mine, and he was mouthing the words to one of my songs. (laughs) And I was like, there was something about the way that he did it that I was like, this could be a whole video. And then I took it to Zach, and I was like, I was like, what if we just did an entire, like, a collection of different friends, like, just singing the words of the song, like, like, lip syncing it, but, like, through Snapchat. And then, like, we've, like, we kind of, like, you know, pieced it together. And Zach, with his like fucking amazing creative mind, was just like, "Well, hold on, hold on. What if we make it a narrative?" <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, shout out to Zach Bell, one Zach of the Bell. realest dudes in the game. Like, if if you need a creative director, go work with Zach Bell. If you're if you can, he kind of stopped doing music projects because he's got so much other stuff going on. But like, he's a real deal as well. Like, just so thoughtful, but also so dedicated to like his work and his art and also a nice person hmm. and, and again he's just a creative genius so I love working with him and and he and I really took that idea like he took that little idea that I had and really turned it into into the, you know the music video well it resonates because there's almost this like this palpable like honesty to it or just this like very it's very it feels very candid even though obviously it's like well there are still people who think that Emily is my girlfriend <laughs> like they, they they think that like um and so Emily is the other girl in the video and like and w- what was so great is that like you know it w- actually was shot across the country like she and she was just down to shoot it and like and so I shot in LA like we shot my little phone scenes in LA and she shot her little selfie scenes in in New York City it, it, it that's why it does feel real because it was real um at the same time, it was this constructed thing. You guys are both so funny in it, like like so sort of like personable in it. And you just can't help but like root for it, which is why the ending is just sort of like, you know, it's it's really just like a small friend making a move, being like, hey, can we be more than friends, even though it's sort of a distance thing? And she's like, nope. And, and yeah, even though that's yeah. like a very sort of subtle thing, I think it really does hit home because there's so much cool chemistry between the two of you in the video, but also you guys are both just really funny and good looking and that's just how it goes. Like, like you just wind <laughs> Thanks, up connecting man. with you both and just wanting it to happen. But also just like as your friends, we know that you've been in a, in a, for what, for eight years Commit- in a relationship for going, going into the ninth year. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. So, so <laughs> part of my brain was just like, Rooting for them. Part of me was just like, oh yeah, this is not real. <laughs> it's Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood and and, uh, and Brooklyn, the 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 Big Apple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. That 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 video was a lot of fun to make, and I I'm still really proud of it. 
Maybe it'll have a resurgence in some way someday. You have all these videos and you have all these songs that like, I, you know, I can go through. I mean, Father Time, like I cried the first time I heard it. You know, like <laughs> a more recent song that really like hit was Busy. Mm. Um, just because we've all felt that. And I and actually you and I were talking last week just about how we we as friends kind of drifted a little bit because we've both been just fucking doing our thing. And, so busy. And it's crazy that like, you know, I think especially since the quarantine, I've realized how many people. It's been just so long since Dude, since I've actually I feel had like a chance I've gotten to speak busier to during the quarantine. Well, just reconnecting with people. I feel like I'm actually reconnecting with people who I didn't realize I had lost touch. Oh with. yeah, 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 yeah. That's so that's so real. I mean, I I've I've had more time. I've made more time for FaceTiming people now than I have in like the last two months. I feel I feel very yeah. similarly. Um, what inspired Busy and what inspired the other side? Because I feel like those two came out, out around the same time. Other side, uh, I'll start with the other side just chronologically. Uh, so other side came about from me actually ha- going through this like two and a half month, like just like bout of depression and uh, writer's block. And I think one definitely led to the other or, you know, nature versus nurture. <laughs> um, <laughs> They they definitely fed off of each other, but like I I like couldn't write anything, and I I was just so sad, and so much of my value was tied up in like whether or not I was making music and whether or not I was writing songs. I I, I was in this place where I was like, if I'm not writing a great song, then I am a shit human being. I'm like I you know what is even my place in this world? And I tried doing all these things. I tried meditating, and I tried like you know, journaling and I tried doing all this kind of stuff like that had helped me in the past to like pull me out of this depression and just nothing worked. And I was like, I was trying and I was trying and I was trying. And that's where this sort of like this, I have this uh, concept of just like, it's like emotional quicksand. It's like the harder you fight it, the, the faster and deeper it pulls you in. Oh yeah. And what ended up happening was I, for my sanity, I ended up going out to Joshua Tree by myself for like two days, uh, I I just found like a cheap little not not even airstream like half the size of an airstream just like a s- tiny little like trailer. It was like really cheap. It was like forty no, it was, it was probably like thirty bucks a night or something. And like it was on this little campground. Um, and I just went and I took nothing but like a journal, a guitar, and a joint. And <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> and a balanced uh, breakfast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just went out there and I did something for myself that I hadn't done in a very long time, which is what, which was just I only engaged in creative play. I didn't make myself or even allow myself the possibility of like creating for the sake of productivity. And that was just it, that was a really healing experience for me, such so that like I came back. And I had a session scheduled and I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do a session because I've been like so depressed and I haven't been that great at writing. But I came back from Joshua Tree and like pretty immediately went into a session and like other side just came out. And I think like me and it, and it was about my experience of like dealing with depression, trying to remedy myself of it, um, going to Joshua Tree, learning that like there was nothing I could really do other than just like be in it and like try to instead of trying to pull myself out of it, just trying to learn how to sit in it and still try to find some sort of way to play and some sort of way to be with myself. And 
other side just very naturally came out of that. And I mean, the song was written, you know, that day in that session. All of my songs are pretty close to my heart because they come from these very like vulnerable experiences in these vulnerable places. But I think that that one, especially just the way it kind of turned out, I think like I still really connect to it when I when I hear it and even when I play it, it's like, oh, this is this is real. Was there a line that cracked it for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the chorus, like, wake up and I'm on the wrong track. I was meant for the other side. Wake up and I'm on the wrong track. I was meant for the other side. And it was just like this, it was this cyclical sort of feeling of like constantly being like, why am I not out of this? Why am I not somewhere else? And the song is, this, is it's funny because it's not necessarily a hopeful song or it doesn't sound necessarily hopeful because the, the lyrics are about me struggling. Like it's not, it's about me feeling like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But we, we write it to excise it. Like we have a song that just came out called Don't Like Me. Right. It, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a sad song. There is no resolution to it, but I've always right. felt that if, if you put those out, it's sort of you telling the world, like I felt it, I presenced it, I made something of it. And that's my way of kind of getting right. it out. Right, you right. Know, and you don't always have system. to tie it up with some little, you know, like, but everything's okay in the end. Like, no, the everything uh, is okay is... It's have you the fact have that you, you did it? Stream our latest single. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I no, made that's art real. out of this pain. That's the, that's the <laughs> conclusion. You don't have to. You don't have to say it in the art. You get to make the happy ending for us by listening to it. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I actually, I, I really appreciate you saying that because it's like an instinct that I had for a long time, where I was like, or not even an instinct, like an expectation that I created for myself was I was like. If I'm going to write a song, because I want to make songs that heal people, I want to. I want my art to help. Like I want my art to be a force for good in the world. And I thought that that meant that all my songs had to like, if they didn't start positive, had to at least end positively. Um, and I've realized that that's not the case. You know, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to resolve in order for it to produce a feeling of like healing. I feel like uh, as a whole, like my ethos for songs has always been they exist and we make them so that whoever is listening is not feeling alone wherever mm. they are. So we write happy songs so that people who are celebrating and dancing at a club and driving down the highway in a great mood don't feel alone with that. They get to amplify it and sort of be you know, be like presence that in a meaningful way. But also we write sad songs so that people who are going through that feeling know that other people have felt it too and that they get to sort of, and sometimes that also amplifies that sadness, but at the same time being able to really feel it and presence it and know you're not alone with it uh, and feel it as strongly as you can, I think is a is a very powerful way to, to kind of expose your therapy, at, like, like really just get through it by going through it, you know? Right. And uh, I've, I've always felt the value of, of sad songs. Just and, and even if they make me sadder, it makes me sadder knowing that we there are people who have felt what I've felt. Right, you don't feel alone. Yeah. And we get to just be sad together for a second, me and whoever's yeah. in my ears. Yeah, no, it's real, man. And, and, and it's weird because like that is going to be more healing. Listening to a sad song while you're sad is probably going to feel more cathartic than trying to listen to a happy song when you're sad. Right. Yeah. If anything, a happy song when you're sad feels like somebody's like telling that jokes feels, at a that funeral. That feels like a dig. Yeah. Well, sometimes yeah, sometimes just, happy songs when you're sad feel like a dig at you. It does. I take it, it personally. Just, it, it, yeah. <laughs> and you should. <laughs> um, 
That's so real. I remember like the role of a sad song. I feel like music has always been kind of like my litmus test for like where I'm at in a breakup. Because like in the <laughs> in the week or two weeks following, just put on Tame Impala Currents <laughs> and see which song hits you the most. Well, it's, <laughs> it's it's in the it's in the week or two weeks following a breakup that I actually just can't listen to music at all because happy songs feel like a dig and sad songs just remind me of too much. Like it becomes like just too sort of unbearably depressing to listen to. But after you get out of like the shock and awe depression, and then you're sort of in this like the brooding kind of like achy sadness, then the sad songs start feeling like better. Then you're like, oh, like I feel that kind of heartache that you're singing about. I feel you. Okay, cool. <laughs> like I'm not alone in this feeling. And then it, when I like get to the point of, am I ready to try love again? <laughs> you know, that's when, uh, that's when like, you know, I'm listening to like Accidentally in Love by Counting Crows. Start listening to Motown. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually exclusively Accidentally in Love by Counting Crows. For some reason, that song, no, I can vouch for it. That song I can is, vouch specifically that that is your <laughs> song. It is that song. song. That's my, that's how you know that I, I'm going to admit, the other I, side. I'm going to cue that up because I actually don't know that song. What is it called? Accidentally, Accidentally in Love by Counting Didn't Crows. did you see Shrek? Shrek 2. Oh. 2. Sequel that's better than the original, Shrek, Shrek 2. Shrek 2. That's added to the list. Is Shrek 2 better? Yeah. I, I'd say so. I think it's better because you get uh, much more in-depth on like the kind of relationship between Shrek and Fiona. You don't have all like all of that sort of terrible character becoming- exposition. Well, you don't have like the terrible character becoming a good character like you do- at the beginning, like, you know, Shrek is a recluse and then becomes, like, a decent person at the end. This is, like, you have a decent person who has to, like, deal with the fact that he's kind of looked down on by people. And also just, like, really wants to be somebody else for the person he's in love with. And the person that he's in love with, does like, wants him to just be himself because he helped her be herself. And so that's what I think, why I think uh, Shrek 2 is better. Plus, it starts with accidentally in love and it features Nine Crimes by Damien Rice in like oh, the low yeah. point of the thing. Oh, so no the music way. supervision on the Shrek music was supervision on Shrek 2 was not nuts. to mention the introduction <laughs> of Puss in Boots, which we all know we that that was a, a massive character in a in a, in the zeitgeist of the That's true. Dreamworks, fairy godmother, you know, fairy was, godmother. Was like, Prince Charming. Yeah, Prince Charming there was that they had the whole like I need a hero sequence Oh the, yeah, like that whole like the last oh, act of that wow. movie is just a wild ride. I need to donkey's relationship with the dragon yeah, developing. You know what? I am. I'm. I'm becoming convinced that uh, I, I've been wasting time not watching Shrek Two. I think you've been wasting time <laughs> not watching Shrek Two. Yes. It is. It is currently a Friday. It's yeah. Friday, my guy. Let's watch do Shrek it. Two. Do it. Watch Shrek it Two. That's what like, I always say wow. every Friday. Shabbat, you, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Shabbat Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Let's watch Shrek Two. <laughs> Did you write Busy and Joshua Tree as well? <laughs> I, I always bring Sick. it back, man. You know, honestly, it was a beautiful segue. Thank you. Um, busy, busy came out of uh, out of an intense Shrek marathon. Um, <laughs> you were too busy for everybody in your life because you were too just busy on Shrek marathon after. And marathon. I forgot how important Shrek really was to me. <laughs> I, I don't want you to like relapse. I don't want you to get back to wherever you were in that time. It sounds like a dark time. No, 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 no. You know, it's 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 important. It's important to talk about. You gotta watch. You gotta watch track. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So busy. So I I I I'm actually excited to talk about busy also because it's a great segue into the to something else I want to chat about. Hey. Um. But uh, only I'm allowed segues, buddy. 
That's true. Uh, I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to put in a request <laughs> for for a topic change eventually. Motion granted. Um, thank you. That was me <laughs> gaveling. That's a good gavel. Without a gavel. Um, you, maybe you can like Give put that sound effect in. Yeah. <laughs> no, just splice it in. Busy came about actually through a couple different sessions. That one was an interesting one because it did not end with the same people it started with. And it actually, I, that song, it was sort of like a song that I started in one session, but the session kind of didn't go anywhere. And the part that I took from the session was not even like, it was like what had been the verse in that session. And like nothing ever happened with that song. And then I ended up kind of rewriting it as like a hook. Cause I was like, I think that that part's really cool. And I think, I think it has like a place in, in something. So the, I feel way, way, way too busy. So concerned with things that might be that I somehow keep forgetting. Look around at what's in front of me. Like that was the, that used to be the beginning of this song that, ne that never was finished and whatever fell apart. And then I ended up taking that. I, I wrote like a, a demo basically with that. And then I, Ended up going to Josh Jacobson's house. Ooh, shout out Josh. I was showing Josh a bunch of different stuff, and then I showed him that, and he was like, that's really cool. I like that. And we started doing it, and we, we, we really kind of made this vibe together. And then I had met Kobe uh, Berman. Oh. Who, do you know Kobe? Yeah, yeah. so we uh, when we first moved out here, we were friendly with a composer named John Ehrlich, who did like the music for House, MD. Um, and nice. has done music for like Goliath and stuff. And his daughter was in a dance class with this girl who he said was just like had an incredible voice with Ashlyn. Yeah, with Ashlyn Malia. No way. So we hit her up. We were like, hey, I think she was like 16 at the time or something. We were like, hey. Ashlyn's voice is crazy. She's crazy. She's so good. And we she's were like- really good. We were essentially like, hey, like I know, you know, we're, we're strangers, but we're friends of John's, but like your voice is amazing. We would love to write with you. So we actually did like her first- songwriting sessions ever. We did <laughs> No way. We did a couple songs together and then we were writing but it wasn't necessarily in like I think the style that she was resonating with and also Noah mm. and I got it related to the song. Very no, busy. Got very busy. <laughs> way 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 too busy. And so she found Kobe and Andrew and they've just been like off to the races like they've been doing like all their stuff but that's the thing like I I catch up with Ashlyn maybe once a month or once every two months, That's just to so see. That's so funny. Where, I had no idea you knew her. Yeah, how she how she's doing, and uh, and we might even put out one of the songs we did together. Awesome. Yeah, we, we met we met Kobe and, and Drew at Ashton's birthday party. Yeah. No. And we way. went to our Instagram That's mutuals, so and they're like, "You know Axel?" It's like, "Yeah, of course we know Axel. He's our guy." <laughs> That's so funny, man. So it was just um, one of those like small world things, but yeah, I, like I, I, we've never worked with Kobe or, or Andrew, but like they have a lot of respect from us because they've just. They have dedicated so much of their like life now oh, yeah. to her oh, project. They, I mean, My heart breaks like a little bit because like I wish that we could have done that, but you know the timing wasn't right, and we were you know things were really chaotic on our end. But I'm just so happy that if not us, like them, you know, like they did just they they've just done a really incredible job with her. I mean, Ashlyn's voice is insane. The production's insane. Like it's Ashlyn, Ashlyn Malia. Everybody look up. Uh, she's incredible, but also like. Not only does she have like one of the most incredible voices ever and is like an insane writer, despite being 18. Um, yeah, man. She's also like the craziest dancer 
ever. Yeah. Like, I don't know. She's, she, like, insanely talented. She's insanely talented. She plays everything. She's got perfect pitch. But she also, she is an incredible dancer. Like, beyond anything I've ever seen. Like, she, she I think she teaches choreography. Like, she's just insanely talented. Um, yeah. I always, no, she, with, she, even she's just, a star, for sure. E- even just, like, you know, every time she puts out something or every time we talk, I always just think to myself, like, oh, man, I... Like I, a wish I was I started doing all of this stuff earlier, and B I need to be doing like eight more things. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, Kobe, you wrote we got we you know that that's what it feels like though. But it's like it's so it's so hard when you get into that comparison game because everyone's got their own thing. You know, there's always going to be somebody who is more talented than you. You know, or feels like they are more talented than you. There's always going to be someone who's better than you at singing and better than you at dancing, or better than you, or better looking than you. Like. There's so many people in this world that there will always, if if you get into the comparison game, you will lose. The only thing that I can try to do is flip that game on its head and say, instead of instead of me comparing myself, and the reason I say this is not because like I figured it out, it's because like I've had to go through the ringer of like waking up, checking Instagram, comparing <laughs> myself, feeling like shit, like, and being like, why do I do this to myself all the time? And like having to really like find a new way to engage with like people who I think are really talented. And instead of it being this like threat or instead of it being this like, why can't I do what you do? It's like learning how to just be like, wow, I'm so glad that you are in this world because I can't do that. Now I feel like I get more inspired by that stuff than get like totally. prickly about it. But Nick, Noah can vouch. when Back when we first started, back when we were in Boston, I was constantly... Uh, on Spotify, you could like compare your stats to other artists. I was constantly, <laughs> constantly doing that. And it, it brought me nothing but pain, but I was doing it daily. And I remember somebody said to me, I don't know if it was my dad or somebody, but- They should have just called it the pain function. But I forgot who said it. Somebody said, you'll be able to go faster when you're looking at your own road. And like that was- Oh, that's fucking good. huge for me because I realized that like I was on the one hand trying to drive this car, but my eyes were constantly looking at everybody else's cars, you know, and and yeah. uh, you know everybody else's lanes. That's um, how you crash a car. That's how you crash a car, you know. Like you can go a hundred miles down, you know, hundred miles an hour down a street if you are just looking directly ahead of you, but you'll swerve off really quickly if you're looking at somebody else. Also, when I moved here, John Ehrlich, the the guy who introduced me to Ashlyn, I told him about all my sort of panics and fears about everything. And he said, what you need to focus on every day is laying one brick, like laying your brick. Don't look at everybody else's houses. Don't look at everybody's. Eventually, you'll have your own house, you know, literally and metaphorically, or it'll be a tower, literally or metaphorically. But like, don't look at everybody else's houses. Just focus on your brick. And if you can say you laid a brick that day, you have succeeded for what you have given yourself. And I'm like, those two things I think kept me from like freaking out about like comparatives, but also being 24, I'm just past the age of like being the quote unquote young kid that I was in this thing. <laughs> you know, like You're we started- old man now. We started somewhat young in this too. Like we started when we were 18 or 19 or whatever. So it's just now at the point where there are kids younger than us doing this. And I'm, I'm like feeling like- Older for the first time. What's TikTok? What's a TikTok? How do you? How do you? (laughs) What's a TikTok? What's a TikTok? Isn't that the sound a clock makes? Uh, I don't understand. I'm a grandfather now. (laughs) We've 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 gravitated away from from busy. But speaking of time, and here's my segue. Father Time really hit me. I think Father Time. Whenever anybody hears it live, just 
it just hits, you know, I think everybody feels it. Um, instead of talking about how that song came to be, because I feel like, you know, I can, I can imagine you already, like with your acoustic guitar playing it, like playing those riffs and, and, and that feeling and that sentiment being, pre- like being, being prevalent. Instead, I, I want to ask, is there a time you've recently felt that song viscerally, like the message of that song, which is just wishing that you could like slow down a moment for a second? Well, if I could find Father I would try to get him drunk on wine and stumble around. Maybe slow things down. Yeah, if I could find Father Time, I would try to keep him off his flight. Stuck on the ground. Slow things down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, one of the things is that when you play a song so much, I'm definitely guilty of this is like, you know, it's, sometimes it's just you go into autopilot and you're playing the song and you know how to put enough emotion to into it that it seems like a genuine performance. But at the same time, like you're not fully there, like you're not hearing it. You're not feeling every word. Because, you know, you have to do it all the time. And what I found actually is that when I don't play a song for a while and then I play it again for the first time after maybe like a month or so, it does feel fresh. Uh, and so actually, like, I, you know, because I haven't been on tour, I've just been writing, I've been in the studio, I really haven't been playing that song that much. And then uh, last week, I was a part of like a big virtual Shabbat. Hmm. And I ended up playing uh, Father Time on on the Zoom, you know, (laughs) which was which was pretty cool. And when I was started playing it, it it was this weird experience where I was like, it was like they weren't my lyrics anymore. Hmm. It was sort of like the lyrics just kind of existed and I was saying them, but I wasn't reciting them. It was like I was really saying them and it did put me in this sort of like weightless moment where I was like, wow, like I really do wish I could slow down time. I re- like, it really does feel like everything, and, you know, again, I'm not trying to say that this is the specific meaning of the song at all, because I think the beautiful thing about a song is the meaning can change. But in that moment, I was just like, everything that's happening with coronavirus, everything that's happening like around the world, everything that I'm trying to do to get ready to like put out new music and take my career to the next level, like all of it is just like this like stuff that we're like filling. And I had this moment where I I just wanted to just take a back seat and just, it was almost like instead of like trying to tame time which is what I feel like I often am trying to do in my life I'm trying to like fit time into like (laughs) these little boxes and like really tame it like make it this thing that I am the master of like I am the master of my schedule and my calendar (laughs) and like it was this moment where I was like I I want to just experience time without my input well I feel especially in this sort of coronavirus time I thought it was going to feel kind of like an isolation tank, you know, where like you really feel the minutes kind of creep along, like you really feel it stretch out. I feel because every day has kind of felt the same. I'm like gripping and like just like, like almost flailing to try to like 
like we have this joke around the house where we say, I can't believe it's already midnight. And we'll say it at 5 p.m. We'll say it at 3 a.m. We'll say it <laughs> at so every good. hour of the I day. Love that. <laughs> because, because for us, it's be, like we've lost all concept of time, A, and, and B, like all of a sudden it's nighttime. All of a sudden, like you've done these three things and the day is gone. Like it's just right. really, you know. Totally. It's, I totally relate to it's that. Been, it's been almost terrifying, like how like these days have not seem to stretch on, but instead have actually been kind of zipping by in the monotony. And I'm, you know, it, it it's, it's, a, it's a bit scary, but I know I'm glad that song, that song always means a lot. Um, one, I think it needs more love. So I wanted to give it a, give it a little amp. <laughs> um, but also when you played it in Moroccan and Keenan like danced in the shadow, I just absolutely lost it. Like it was just, it really, it really hit home. You know, that was like one of those moments where it was just like, I, you know, I, I'd had a vision of something like that you know floating in my mind for so long ever since I wrote the song I was like there's this kind of bounce to it that could be like I imagine like I had just imagined like a solo male dancer who is and is not father time <laughs> like well it's a, it, what I like about it is that and almost, he just killed it. it it almost reminds me it almost reminds me of um remember me from Coco in the sense mm. that like the song the song is somewhat bubbly and somewhat like up spirited and and has all this like acoustic energy to it and yet it it is it is crying out for something it is crying out in in remember me to be remembered in this to just just enjoy this moment because it is yeah. it is moving so fast and this there is there is an almost desperation to the song honestly my my heart is full man i even just hearing you talk about it like it it, it feels like we're talking about like a really good friend of mine who's doing like, and I'm just like, man, you're right. I love that person. Yeah, like, <laughs> just doing so well, you know. You, I, I took, I took a segue away from you, so I want to give it back to you. Ah, uh, yeah, you did. You know what you did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, <laughs> might show my rules, but you know, you can have it. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, so what I wanted to say was actually, uh, so Kobe, Kobe produced Busy. That was my segue into the thing that I'm really excited to be talking to you about, which is I, I want to take a little self-promotional second here. Take a self-promotional um, minute, my guy. Talk talk about my new pyramid scheme. Hey, <laughs> sell us sign me up. Sell us lotion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's called download my EP and then get five other friends to do it. <laughs> so uh, it's a terrible pyramid scheme. It's missing at least two of the other three parts. <laughs> yeah, it's anyways. more of a cylinder scheme, really. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's more of a chain mail operation. <laughs> um, but basically, Kobe and I have been working really, really hard on um, the new EP, which is really exciting for me because, to be honest, it's actually like my first project as a artist. Like my first real like where I feel like I have a statement that I'm making as a project instead of just individual songs. And like, even though like I put out like the acoustic EP, it's more like an acoustic collection. Like, yeah. and, cause it's songs that were already out. Like it was, it was more just like, you know, a new take on, on songs that people already heard. But this is like the first time that, that I felt brave enough to be like, I have a statement to make. And the EP is called Baggage. Nice. Um, oh, nice. There's going to be baggage related promo puns for sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, I'm just really, really excited about it. I, it's the the sort of tagline that I would have for the EP, like in my own head, and it's actually something that Kobe said to me. Like I, I knew that I, I wanted Kobe to be the producer for it, like 
basically after we made busy, just the process of working with him, it was so fun and so like free and it allowed me to like access a part of myself that I felt like I hadn't previously that I knew that I wanted Kobe to be the producer for this EP. And that's the other thing is, you know, being in like the session world of LA, like I, I was so used to like doing one song with one person, one song with another person, one song with another person that like to have a really cohesive project, I, I was like, I want to make it with one person. And the whole EP is basically inspired. Well, there's a, there's actually a lot of things, including like the whole ayahuasca experience that Nate, you and I have we spoke spoken about. about previously, uh, which uh, I could go into, but it's, it's, it's long and it's not part of the point I want to make. Do you have a TLDR um, version of the ayahuasca trip? Uh, it changed my life. I was able to let go of really old, unhelpful stories and able to start asking myself new questions, which has allowed me to uh, make the kind of music that I want to make and be more authentic as a person and as an artist and, and everything that I want to do with my life. It's been really incredible. We are pro-psychedelic on Talking Lion, just uh, <laughs> collectively. I, you know, it's it's not for everybody, but for the people who take it seriously and, and, and understand that it's a very powerful tool and like any powerful tool, it must be treated with respect and therefore you must treat it with yourself with respect in terms of doing it and being prepared and like really thinking of it like it's not a it's not a game you know it, it's it a can therapy seriously session. change your life it's I it's mean, brain I haven't surgery. done ayahuasca but like LSD is a therapy session it is and, and ayahuasca is brain surgery wow like, <laughs> it like it's like a whole other level and it's it was it's the best thing I've ever done that I probably will never do again. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's amazing that you and Kobe are working on this project with this sort of new insight into your artistry. Yeah, it's been huge. And that's why it almost feels like, it feels like everything else that I've done was like just setting the foundation for me to be able to make this EP. And this almost feels like the first time that I'm like going to be putting out music that is like this raw and this real. And the whole, like I was saying, like the whole tagline for this EP is like me writing about the shit that I was always too afraid to talk about hmm. and like really digging deep and exploring the parts of myself that as an artist that I was like, that I did not previously allow myself to touch. That's why it's about, that's why the EP is called Baggage because it's about like putting that baggage on display and shedding it. I love that, man. I, I, uh, I'm excited for it to come out and I'm, I'm sure you'll have a new listenership with the, with the Songland fans coming on. So uh, again, everybody's late to the Axelman sword chain, but better late than never. And, uh, <laughs> better late than never. and I think, uh, I think, you know, I, uh, baggage feels really fitting. I think it takes a lot of bravery to finally be like, Hey, this is what we, what I want to be making. Are you ready for the question round? Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Before we, we get there, I do want to just shout out two things about you that I appreciate. The first is you sing Hebrew songs. I uh, do. At your live shows. And I it's do. amazing. I remember the first time I heard you sing Shalom Aleichem. It was at Hotel Cafe. And I just like got very emotional because I felt kind of seen. Like I had not heard uh, in this sort of pop world that we are in this... Hollywood world that we are, I hadn't heard, you know, like the music that was part of my childhood and my family's culture, like played, you know, 
live. And it was just really cool to hear, especially coming from your voice. That was the first, you, first thing I wanted to shout out. Second thing is, is that I believe you are the first guest that we've had on our show with a daytime Emmy nomination. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. I forgot about that yeah, <laughs> until you brought it up. You are daytime Emmy nominated, Axel Mansour. I am daytime Emmy nominated. <laughs> that should be in your Twitter bio. So you're, yeah. yeah. Uh, daytime Emmy loser. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I had a Emmy award losing songwriter. Was Love in it. My bio for a while. That's great. <laughs> Anyway, I just wanted to shout out those two things. There was no, there was no clean segue. I just was like, thank you for singing Jewish music, and uh, thank you for being our first <laughs> Emmy-nominated uh, guest. <laughs> thank you, man. It's a, it's a real honor. I, I've had a lot of fun on this. Thank you for having me, and I'm excited to, I'm excited to listen back and share this with people. Dude, of course. I'm, I'm very grateful we got to do this. You know, finally. Um, yeah. Despite the quarantine. Despite the quarantine. You know. <laughs> Yes. You ready for the question? You ready for the question? Let's round. do lightning round. Let's go. Um, all right. First question. What is your phone background? It's like the 10 principles from the artist's way. Okay. Ooh. That's cool. What's your favorite principle? You know what's hilarious is that I thought by putting it as my background, I would read it every day because that's what she says in the book to do. And instead, by putting it as my background, I guaranteed that I would not read it. <laughs> yeah, that's true because you kind of don't notice your background. Well, you, you, you don't be surprised it. how often we've asked this question and people like have to look at their background. Yeah, you know, like people aren't really paying attention to, you know, what it is. Yeah, that's, it's a that's, background. It's background. It's background. Uh, do you have any non-musical hobbies? Uh, right now, my my. Hobby right now is playing Call of Duty Warzone. Oh, hey. nice! I, I I played a couple rounds of that the other night. We've it's, been playing a lot fun. of Overwatch. We've been playing a lot wait, of Overwatch. Wait, in this house. we should we should do we should play it together. Wait, what's your what's your console? What's your system? Yeah, what are you playing on? I'm on PS4. Oh shit! Us too. Do you have a skill that you would like to have? I would love to either be able to make sushi or code. Ooh, Ooh. those are good ones. Okay, Axel Mansour, what is your superpower? Making people feel good. Nice. About themselves, I can vouch. Yeah, can can yeah. confirm. Uh, most important question of the of the talking most important universe: Would you be a pirate? I'm a ninja girl. Whoa. <sighs> I okay. mean, I get it. I get it. You yeah, know? you you don't strike me as the pirate type. You're too. You're I'm too not. Nice. I'm not a pirate you're too type. Loving. I I I I could not be a pirate. Uh, do you have any tattoos? I do. I I, I have uh, three. Ta- no, I have one, two. Yeah, three tattoos. What was your first one? My first tattoo is Imagen David, Star of David, on my chest, which I got uh, pledging a fraternity, <laughs> um, which uh, in Vegas. Nice. <laughs> I got it in Vegas. Holy, okay. Um, that's the most like Jewish frat it's thing I've ever It's the frattiest thing I've you. ever done. That's great. Um, but it's but it's a small little tasty, it, you know, it's it's very small. It's not like a Are huge one. It's just right like now? a small. Yeah, you want to see it? Yeah. <laughs> it's Oh, that's cute. Yeah, there you go. Nice. yeah, it's like a it's like a little third nipple, a little yeah. bit, um, <laughs> which is definitely it. what that symbol wanted to be when it was created. <laughs> <laughs> um, my uh, yeah, so that, that's my that was my first tattoo. Uh, what was the first concert you attended? Probably a Periphery concert. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, that, that tracks. Sense. Yeah, uh, I, your... I think it was at, it was at Ram's Head in Baltimore. What is your go to karaoke song? Kiss from a Rose. See oh, that's a good one. All right, that's all right, a, all right. Whoa. Wow, we gotta I, we gotta go karaokeing after all this is over. I know. I would I would love to hear you sing. Kiss oh from man, Rose. I would love to go karaokeing. I so and my first karaoke experience was in Japan, and I feel Ooh. like after that, it's just I don't know if I can do it in the states. <laughs> That's fair. Well, we'll just have to go to Japan together. Yeah, 
Fair. Just flying over. We'll <laughs> Down. Take, we'll, take, we'll take the PJ. Hey, f- flights, flights now are 50 bucks yeah, every, exactly. everywhere in the world. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. Favorite movie, book, and TV show, respectively. Okay, favorite movie, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, Pan's Labyrinth. Interesting. Yes. Favorite book would actually be a book I recently read. Uh, it's kind of a toss-up. There's two two books that kind of changed the way I looked at writing in terms of like what a, what a fictional novel could be. One early life was a curious incident of the dog in the oh, nighttime. Yeah. Oh, it's a yeah. great book. And the second most recent book is this book called Fates and Furies. I don't make a ton of time to read. And also generally, like I usually get more distracted by video games than anything else. So like if even if I start reading a book, I, I may not finish it. Reading is um, hard. No, guys, <laughs> guys, life hack. Play a video game. With like a five minute um, read in the minute read in the loading screens yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I I've been playing Overwatch and like usually it's like f- five to eight minutes to like load I feel like that works better with nonfiction than it does with like a novel you'd want to get lost in well I'm not gonna read like Infinite Jest in the uh in the, in the waiting screen for Overwatch but I I feel like that's an incredible life hack for very specific people yeah. <laughs> no there's somebody listening to this like oh I'm there is somebody listening to this who plays Overwatch with a DPS character yeah <laughs> favorite TV show favorite TV show have you seen Hannibal no the TV series heard good things about it it is terrifyingly in, in, incredible it is horrible and incredible like it I, I will not watch that show again and yet I will recommend it to everyone I have ever met because it's like the first two seasons are phenomenal the third season is definitely not as incredible but by then you'll be a fan so you'll watch it anyways and the ending is pretty satisfying but the fact that they're able to even make that show considering everything that happens in it and that it was a network TV show. It's like if HBO made a network TV show. Weird. It okay. doesn't make sense. Does Anthony Hopkins make any cameos? No, 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 no. And no, he doesn't need to because the I'm guy, not, the guy who plays Hannibal, is like so perfect. Ah, that show is so good. Brian, Brian is the one who got me out of that show. Brian watches more TV than anyone I've ever met in my entire life. Maybe we'll watch, uh, watch, watch Hannibal. Do you hear that? It's the silence of the lambs. <laughs> Is that that's how you end a podcast, right? <laughs> no, we have more questions. <laughs> and speaking of silence, do you have a favorite sound? The man with the segues. My favorite sound in the world is when you go hiking up somewhere in the mountains of LA and you just stop and you can't hear a damn thing. They call it the silence of the lambs. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, that 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 kind of silence that like is uninterrupted by even nature, like, but or like but un- uninterrupted by like wildlife, mm. where it's literally just quiet. Which I realize is a specifically California like SoCal thing because it's the desert. Um, so like if you're hiking during the day like in SoCal desert, if you stop and there's no cars and there's no people, you just hear silence yeah of the lambs of the lambs (laughs) and then out of nowhere uh, (laughs) uh. shut up lambs you're running all the silence (laughs) um what's uh what's the best date you've been on Uh, i've been dating the same person for nine years so (laughs) there's we've had a lot 
Probably one of the most memorable dates actually was a date gone horribly wrong. For our anniversary, I took Emma to San Diego and we rented a like a little uh, catamaran or like a little sailboat. Funny thing is that Emma and I have never sailed. Um, <laughs> and they didn't teach us how to sail. They were just like, oh, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and the wind was especially strong that day. Oh, no. Um, and what ended up happening was it was like this little like circular channel, but there was like an overpass. There was like a bridge because of like a highway. And we started to like head towards this highway and realized that the like the this is how little I know about sailing, whatever, like the the mast. I don't know. The the big thing that points up the main point that points up. I don't know. The tallest part of the boat where the sail is like strung from. This is why they shouldn't have put us in a sailing <laughs> boat. Anyways, <laughs> top of the mast, we start we, like we're heading towards this overpass and Emma and I both realize that we don't know how to steer a sailboat and it's just like heading towards this and we realize that that this mast is probably going to hit the the top or like the you know the ceiling of this overpass and it's going to break <laughs> and we're going to have to like we're going to have to like pay for this boat and so Emma starts freaking out. I'm like trying to like direct the boat even though I have no idea how to sail because we were trying to like go in the opposite direction but we but like the wind was pushing us that way and we had no idea. It was like but the wind keeps pushing us this way. Like how are you supposed to then I, like and I found out later that there's like a technique called tacking where you have to go like yeah. side to side to side. <laughs> but like they only told us that after the fact and like we literally were heading there. Emma's like crying. I'm like trying to stay calm and like trying to figure out like what to do. What really saved us was that there was like literally, I swear, there was like the, maybe an inch of clearance. Oh my you know? God. And, and this is like, I don't know, the, the, the mass was probably like a good like 12 feet high or something. Like it was, it was, it was tall enough that like there was no way I could have judged it. So like <laughs> it just barely cleared and we got so lucky and like somehow underneath the underpass, the wind was coming in differently so there was a bank and I was able to like maneuver the boat into the bank um, and then we like pulled it ashore but we came so close to just like destroying this boat <laughs> it was insane like that's still a story that Emma and I tell our friends because it's just like just gross negligence so that was like a very memorable and like that was our anniversary yeah. and you know at, at the moment at the time like you know it was very scary and 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 like frustrating and then, like, after the fact, like, Em and I just laugh about it all the time now. So <laughs> That's great. Do you have a scar with a story? Do I have a star with a story? Do you story? have a scar with a story? Oh, a scar with a story. Do you oh, have a jar yes. with a bori? <laughs> uh, I have several of those, Do you have actually. a car with a lorry? <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? Do you Do got it. a bar with a flurry? <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I do have a scar with a story. I still have a scar. It's a, it's a three-pronged scar from when uh, this girl, I was in fourth grade. I forgot who did what, but basically one of them pushed me up against a fence during recess and the other dug her nails into my arm until I started bleeding. And I still have the scars from that. Damn. Um, kids, kids, kids are fucking kids cruel. Kids are brutal. 
Yeah, so actually, just a quick segue to the EP. One of the songs uh, on the EP is called Kids Can Be So Stupid. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it's a song about being bullied as a kid. Kids can be really mean. I definitely experienced a lot of that. Um, so, yeah, that that is definitely one of the the story. But, it, you know, it's nice. It's, it's a reminder. It rem- the nice thing about other kids causing me a lot of pain is that it made me want to be the kind of kid that didn't cause other pain. So in a way, I really have to thank her, but I still have to, I still haven't totally forgiven people like her. I think part of making the CP and making these songs is like my own process of forgiveness. Hey, Twerp, give me your lunch money. Give me your EP money. <laughs> give me your, hey, give me your, give me your Spotify stream money. <laughs> hey, 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 kid. I'm bullying. You, we're we're bullying you now. Talking line has devolved. Take it in 0.001% of a cent. Can I can I give me your lunch money? Give me your lunch money. <laughs> yeah, the lunch money being the entire streaming revenue of your EP after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are three thoughts you have at this very moment? I'm hungry. Nice. Same. I'm so excited it's the weekend because I've worked so hard this week. What's the difference? <laughs> there, there is no difference actually except i don't allow myself to play video games during the week i only oh, play nice. video games right like friday night to uh like sunday day but like i i don't play sunday night i wish i had like a modicum friday of night. discipline well I, t- I told you life hack the way that i do it is i hide the power cord from myself <laughs> oh yeah i forgot you told me that that's funny yeah it's genius <laughs> um, what are you most proud of I am most proud of my relationship with my girlfriend and my relationship with myself. I love that. Important. That's important. Those are big ones. Those are huge ones. And looking to the future, what are you most excited for? I am really excited for this EP to come out. I'm really excited to share this EP because I think it's going to, it just feels like me putting something into the world that, yeah, I just feel really proud of. And I feel like I'm saying something important to me and i feel like it will help people well we we can't wait to hear it we've we've been fans uh and friends for for a really long time and i just it's just been so cool to see how you how we've all grown up together yeah um no. and uh i'm excited to see your songland episode i hope everybody listening will watch your songland episode i hope her <laughs> listens to this and uh and hits you up for for a facetime writing session and uh, I and hope she does. We'll keep we'll keep an eye out for uh, for baggage. But Axel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're doing great things, and I can't wait. Love you guys. Thank you for having me. We would like to thank Alan C. for supporting Talking Lion on Patreon and Isotope.